Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. And I'm joined on today's show by Will Handley, who is the CEO of a company called Home Renter. And we're discussing the sharing economy. As will be heard, it's not quite as simple to define or fully nail down quite yet. Thankfully, though, Will had done his homework in advance of our conversation and so could help us to appreciate how we can use a a web or mobile transactional platform or application to support us um, with our underutilized assets and services. So let's have a listen in as we talk about the poster children of the sharing economy, including issues such as trust and regulation, as well as where it all might be heading in the future, among a range of other things that we also um, chew over. But if nothing else, Will has a generous offer that will save you some money on your next property listing, which is uh, well worth sticking around for. Let's tune into that right now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Hi, everybody. Welcome once again to another episode in our PropTech series on the Property Voice podcast. I'm very pleased to have joined me today another guest, a special guest, which is Will Handley from uh, Home Renter. Will, hi, how are you? Very well, thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me on. No, no, thank you. Uh, I know that uh, you're just recovering from a sore throat, so hopefully we'll be a bit too, bit you know, kind on your throat. Um, but appreciate you joining us today and, and offering your insights. But um, what I normally do with guests at this point in time is 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 ask if they wouldn't mind giving a quick uh, introduction to themselves and and who they represent. Uh, would you mind doing that for us, well? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um I'm one of the uh, sort of co-founders and um, and CEO of Home Renter, which launched in um, November of, of last year of 2017, and uh, we uh, we are effectively a, a sort of marketplace connecting the UK's private landlords with um, qualified tenants. Um, but we also have uh, sort of two different um, additional facets to the kind of community. Um, uh, one is um, uh, a sort of channel that we're with christened the Home Viewer channel, which is um, uh, a, a sort of panel of, um, of key holders um, who um, we are sort of trying to build a database of, um, of people who are prepared and willing to uh, assist landlords with uh, those sort of troublesome property viewings, which which are difficult to to make either for reasons of time or, or geography, uh, and then lastly but not least, um, we we'll, we also cater to a sort of fourth audience, um, which is service providers, effectively trusted tradesmen. So we're inviting our landlord clientele to um, rate and refer uh, service providers um, to the community as well. So it's. Um, <clears throat> It's uh, an, an attempt, uh, as we launched with our PR, to um, try and create a sort of Airbnb-style uh, community for um, the, the PRS for, for lettings in the UK. 
Perfect. And I'm going to come back to what you just said right at the end there. But before we do, just what in terms of you personally, do you have a, any interest in the PRS, the, rent, the rental sector? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm lucky enough to be a, um, a sort of small scale uh, private landlord. Um, and uh, I think I've been, um, you know, I began really as a sort of accidental landlord where I was lucky enough uh, to retain a property um, when I moved into uh, our current home with my wife. Um, and then we've been lucky enough with sort of three inheritance to, you know, to slightly build out that portfolio. So we have um, now really three buy to lets in South London, uh, but my business partners um, and sort of um, their colleagues in terms of the, the co-founders of Home Renter, Sean and Jim, are established um, London property uh, entrepreneurs and developers. So they've been uh, with a different uh, business building and developing um, for sort of 20, 25 years uh, in, uh, across London and, and parts of other parts of the UK, including Manchester. And as a sort of byproduct of um, of that they have uh, i think at one point in time something like uh, a portfolio of about 70 units um so they kind of, they would probably um characterize those guys as um you know professional um landlords so part of the backstory to home renter is um you know it's, it's kind of a bit of a common theme for anyone in the online lettings arena but a dissatisfaction with the kind of the delivery from um uh, bricks and mortar lettings agents in terms of high price, poor service, um, and a sense that there was a sort of better, more ethical and fairer way to deliver uh, the same, uh, you know, the same services, but taken online. Absolutely. And I was, uh, I was actually looking at your, uh, your website, homerenter.co.uk, just as a marker for people, um, and your mini bios there. So I noticed the uh, references to um, people's interest in your team about the rental market, whether it's on one side of the fence or the other, uh, uh, i.e. as a landlord or a tenant. It's obviously curious. It's a good mix, isn't it? Then you've got people in your team who are on both sides of it. Um, so I, I guess you take yeah, absolutely, board. Richard. I think. Yeah, go on, sorry. No, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a very valid point. Trying to um, build a product that works, you know, uh, not only for landlords, but also for tenants, is kind of really important to have uh, that perspective um, championed and sort of uh, articulated within the team. So within our startup team, we've got um, the, the sort of the founders who are um, into property as either sort of professional through to sort of private landlords, but the, um, the rest of the team uh, primarily renters um and you know we've got a product um product manager who's um uh renting we've got a, a ux designer who's um you know also renting and it's kind of and, and actually our uh, in-house um uh, developer lead developers three renters and that's very useful to kind of bring a different perspective in terms of championing uh generation rent in the process yeah, no, I think I think it's good. I mean, I think anything, and by the way, anybody can do to bring together what it seems to be, um, you know, ever increasing you know, wider chasm between tenants and landlord uh, are welcome because I don't see any need, you know, to be driving a wedge between you know people. I just actually think it's a lot better that we try to work together really in harmony. Uh, I know fundamentally there's a different, there's a transaction and there's a arguably that well there's a different set of interests of course from each of the stakeholders but we're all looking for the same thing uh, ultimately which is the provision of quality accommodation for people to live in and uh, and on the one side and on the other side of course you know a return on investment as um, as, a, as an asset as a 
uh, as an income stream for, for people. So you're looking at the same thing, but from different perspectives. And I don't really see that we need to have a big fight about it all the time. So if you can, uh, if you can bring together those two facets in your business model, I think it'd be uh, really good. Um, yeah, we, we actually ran some research recently, um, which is just to build on, on that point, Richard, which mm. totally endorses that view. And I think it was uh, over 90% of landlords um, uh, in our poll um, suggested that they, they would like to sort of deal direct um, and have some degree of familiarity with their tenant. And likewise, it wasn't to the same degree of magnitude, but I think it's something like in excess of 80% of the tenants um, that we questioned, so people renting, uh, also expressed um, you know, a desire to know their landlord uh, and a preference to sort of have some form of you know di- direct uh, relationship with the, with the with the homeowner or the property owner. Mm. Well, I was a bit surprised actually to hear that those numbers being quite so high, and I've seen I've seen stats quoted uh, before which uh, we support that. Um, you might be aware that we had uh, James Davis from UPAD on um, the show recently, and you know he was quoting some fairly similar stats when we spoke. Uh, then as well. And, and I think that's the sort of more relationship side of things, you know, that um, we can have a, a hopefully get to know one another. It doesn't, we'd have to be best buddies, but let's get to know one another. But I think there's also, an, you know, uh, particularly of late, an economic driver as well. Uh, you talked, you sort of suggested earlier that perhaps there's a bit of dissatisfaction with some of the bricks and mortar letting agents. And, you know, there is this growing interest for sure uh, you know, in, in the online, you know, letting arena. So uh, not least of which, because it's maybe a response that we can, as landlords, for, I'm talking as a landlord, and I, and I guess the same is true also, by the way, for tenants with, with uh, regard to letting fees and things like that, um, you know, to make it a more economically uh, acceptable uh, means of, you know, delivering the service. So we're seeing an increase in the number of online agents. There's a first point, I think, yeah, it's fair to say. But maybe to take that a little bit further what you're trying to do isn't you're not just an online letting agent are you you're a bit more than that no um definitely yeah no we definitely see ourselves as something more than that um and um you know i think we've got probably more than one foot foot and a half maybe in the in the sharing economy certainly in terms of our sort of aspirations where we want to take home renter um and i i guess I mean, I, I have done a little bit of, um, of homework ahead of this um, <laughs> conversation, Richard, just in terms of brushing up on, on, a, on a definition for myself of the sharing economy. Um, and um, for your listeners and uh, audience, it's probably worth reprising because it's quite a, a, a good um, a good kind of uh, exercise, I guess, just to align on a definition. And uh, the the go-to definition that I found sort of suggests that a sharing economy is when um, a business or a service takes uh, or finds a value in taking an underutilized asset and making it accessible online, you know, through the internet to um, an audience or a community that then leads for a sort of reduced need for ownership of those assets. And I think that the classic ones would be, you know, an Uber or an Airbnb where um, assets which might otherwise be idle or unutilized are, um, you know, uh, through, through means of, of, the, uh, of the web and mobile um, being utilized by an audience um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a cost-effective manner. And um, I think with Home Renter, the, the piece that... Um, really feels um more akin to the sort of the sharing economy or the gig economy 
is is the home viewer piece where we're we're effectively trying to build this uh, community of trusted um, key holders um, across the UK to help facilitate um, uh, you know key holding uh, uh, requirements, jobs, and tasks for our landlord community. Um, and I think you know it's obviously not a sort of physical asset, but in in this instance, um, what we're seeing is. Um, People uh, who are performing the role of key holders as home viewers for home rent uh, are effectively um, leveraging their sort of expertise in terms of prior knowledge of property and also time uh, because they're effectively sharing their time to a time starved audience in terms of the landlord. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I, I think there's probably some, I, I, by the way, thanks so much for doing the, your homework. That's first of all, very much appreciated. And uh, I'd probably stumble across some similar types of uh, definition, but it's good to get that one out. And I think it is fundamentally about, um, you know, maybe um, getting additional income from underutilized assets. And, and I think also services, um, I was really, you know, it could be like, um, it could be service-based as opposed to asset-based. Uh, delivery model and uh, the platform is the is the link, isn't it? It's like you mentioned Airbnb, Airbnb and Uber, and um, you know a lot of people will be using an app on their phone uh, to to call an Uber, you know, taxi equivalent. Uh, we'll maybe talk about whether it's a taxi service later or not, but um, and or, or book a, a place in an Airbnb, um, and and you know they're the classics, as you say, that um, in this fairly new uh, emerging industry. And that's what I kind of wanted to have a chat with you about is this, this new uh, emerging industry, which is the sharing economy, which people are finding quite difficult to pin down and quantify and make sense of also at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think there's, and partly that's because there's a, there's a slight misnomer in that um, as a definition or as a, you know, as a term, as a phrase, sharing economy um in some ways, there's an aspect of either an asset or a service or a skill set being shared. Um, but equally, it is an economy, and um, there's often money. There's often a transaction uh, occurring. Um, whereas, you know, so if it's typically when people share um, asset, there's, there's left left for each for each person. There's more people share, but in this instance, because um, it's underpinned by a transaction. Um, there's you know, some renting or selling is occurring that is actually to the benefit of um, the asset holder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just it's, it is a little bit of a sort of problematic um, term um, because you know what it kind of it kind of uh, it can invoke this kind of slightly um, uh, utopian sort of uh, sense of people are getting something for nothing, um, but, it, but but actually. The, the way it's um, sort of manifesting through um, the, the internet is is, is very much um, you know transactional. Mm-hmm. No, I agree, and I think um, I, do, I do. I mean, if you think about Airbnb, you rent, you buy, you, well, you buy, you rent a space, let's say by the night or by the week, for argument's sake, um, and of course, it's a fraction of the cost as if you would throughout, you know, for a whole year. Um, and so the, the the person staying in the room is benefiting because they've got you know they're just renting for the period of time they need it that asset. Whereas the uh, person offering that room is potentially getting a higher room rate for a shorter period of time than they otherwise would do um, on a on a sort of a long term contract basis, such as with uh, private rented sector rental. So I can see where you're going there with you know the 
the whole is perhaps bigger than the sum of the parts. Um, so I, I do get that. And I think, by the way, what you're doing with the, um, what do you call them, the key holders, um, that's really interesting because um, what I have noted is, it, you know, I'm one of these landlords who's a little bit dissatisfied. Certainly, I've had a recent experience, which if you probe me, I'll, I'll share with you, uh, Will. But I've had a bit of an experience recently where I've taken back a property, which was being managed by a you know, tradition, more traditional bricks and mortar letting agent. And I'm taking it back under my personal management. Um, and I always said, that, you know, in the past, I never wanted to do that. I wanted to be very passive. Uh, as an investor and, and basically give the responsibility uh, and all the tasks of management to third party, i.e. a letting agent. But um, I've taken this particular property back now. Um, but it's services such as yours, which are allowing me to perhaps do that in a, in a slightly different way or a, an improved way. And what, what I found really interesting, um, yeah, the property I'm talking about, by the way, is nowhere near where I live. So having this access yeah. to, to key holders who can perhaps do viewings for me, uh, do inspections, uh, and, and all of those sort of more physical presence type of activities um, under the under the banner of this platform is, is quite appealing. It's quite compelling, actually. So is that is that how it was born about, how it came about for you? I'd be interested in the backstory there. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. Um, and the, uh, you know, one of the sort of, you know, in terms of the backstory, one of the, the impetus to, to, to build the platform um, was um, I think I think in, if you sit down and, and interview um, most private landlords, um, there's, there's always a desire. I think there's a desire to try and self-serve as best as you can, but then often that's tempered with the recognition that the further the property is away, um, the, you know, the, the, the more properties you have, you're just kind of then inclined to the peace of mind that comes from a managed relationship, courtesy of a you know established lettings agent. But, but but inside there's always a sort of desire or a frustration that actually if you had the ability of um, of of having a trusted keyholder in the vicinity um, that could tip you you know tip the equation into um, into you know looking to self serve self manage and, mm -hmm. and it's a conundrum for us because it's difficult you know um, on the say on the letting side of uh, of, of property. Um, to see how you can build out that network. If you look at the um, the online sales players, such as you know, Purple Bricks, et cetera, um, they all seem now uh, to to our read of that particular kind of adjacent category to be moving towards um, uh, building out a, you know, sort of the sales force of, you know, the, the, the field force of local property specialists. Um, and, and I think this, the sales um, side of a state agency can, actually sustain that overhead it's difficult to conceive of how you can do that in the on, on the rental side just because um you know the uh the the revenues don't necessarily sustain it in terms of you know the, you know if you look at the sales guys obviously they're um uh scoring a hit of a you know a thousand pound fee on um you know upfront fee on, on a sale which you know you can immediately understand how you can then accommodate the uh the local property experts more difficult on the let on the on the letting side, but we we still felt that that was one of the biggest um, biggest biggest problems to try and solve in terms of pain points for for private landlords. Um, and so you know the with home rental, the way we're we're currently looking to sort of to solve that and remedy that problem is um, you know this kind of casual um, workforce, um, and we kind of expect people that will be signing up as 
as home viewers to probably be people who are um you know, quite familiar with and adept at working in the sharing economy. So, you know, they might be Uber drivers, they might be um, people who also manage properties or do handyman tasks on a platform like uh, TaskRabbit, uh, because it, because it, you know, because it's uh, work that's not going to have um, uh, necessarily in terms of um, the, the the flow of, of briefs from landlords. It might be quite sporadic, and obviously, we need to build and scale to get to the extent where it can be. Uh, a sort of tr- you know dependable um uh, income stream it, it it kind of feels to us when we're envisaging the um you know, the, the target audience for that keyholder channel that it is that person that's prepared and happy to sort of work across a patchwork quilt of different different jobs different gigs You touch on a really good point there, and I think you know this uh, the gig economy. It's been in the news recently. Of course, there was the ta- I think it was the Taylor report, was it, um, which talks about the employment status of some of these people, like Uber drivers, maybe. Um, here we're talking about maybe something slightly different. I think it's genuinely um, uh, the, the you know, people looking for gigs, you know, sh- you know, short-term assignments where they get paid. And, and I describe people like this as maybe having, a, let's say, a portfolio type of um, career. Maybe they want flexible working. Maybe they want to top up some earnings from part time. Uh, maybe they want, you know, they just want a bit, bit more freedom. Um, so I think if you can bring together people like that, and there are people around, you know, looking for, you know, ways to to, to work that way. Um, to people perhaps like me as a landlord who just needs occasional work doing, um, that that's really good. So exactly. Yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting. Maybe to take it on a stage, um, and I don't know if this is what you're planning to do with the service provider angle, um, but equally, if I'm, if I'm taking a property under self-management, I've got the viewing side of it, let's say, dealing with the tenants, you know, occasionally, uh, check-in, check-out, inventories, that sort of thing. But equally, um, you know, repairs, maintenance, gardening, cleaning, those sorts of tasks I also need to take care of, which previously... Um, the letting agent would have done for me. Is that, is that where you're headed with the service provider sort of side of things? Well, to, to be completely uh, sort of frank with you on this one, Rich, we, at, the, at the moment we're partnered um, because I, I sort of said to my uh, co-founders, um, you know, even building um, from scratch a sort of nationwide panel um, of, um, of, of, of key holders um, and then doing the verification and building out all of the tech so that people, the landlords can pay seamlessly through the site and book and chat and create the assignments for those guys is, you know, is, is a big piece of work. Um, and so uh, with that in mind, when we looked at the, sort of the fourth audience of service providers for now, sort of 2017, 2018, we have a partnership with uh, Centre Index, which, which used to run the Scoop brand, which some listeners might be familiar with, um, which is basically the biggest uh, UK sort of uh, directory, trades directory. Uh, and so right now on Home Renter, you can go and sort of search and find um, a, a, a trusted local uh, trader in your vicinity or, or, or actually recommend one. Whether that's the model that is kind of you know is going to be you know the, the concept and uh, and model for the service provider trader um, part of the site ongoing sort of uh, you know beyond so maybe 2019 I'm not sure because I think that there is a, there's a, a different model which we might look at which is whereby um, 
as a you know, landlord signs up, they might, you know, in our experience, landlords tend to have a sort of black book of preferred um, contractors and uh, service providers by property. Uh, so that's a kind of that's another route we might look to go down as we start to build a more organic database of referred traders directly from our landlord uh, clientele, rather than a sort of hybrid where we're enabling them to to recommend both to us and put them into the into the wider central index database. Yeah, it could work either way. I, one of the things, if anyone looks into, and I'm sure when you're doing your homework, and I'm, as you're already in the sector, sharing economy, we're talking broadly about. One of the uh, issues is what's called trust. So, uh, you know, um, yes. you know, each party has to give and receive trust from the other. And, and so the platform, that image, is, uh, just take an example. Um, I actually had a short-term uh, rental. Um, so we're talking about short-term rentals rather than PRS here, where I was using Booking.com, an equivalent to Airbnb. And um, yes. just, just I had a prostitute turn up at my property, which... Um, Yes, uh, I thought I might get that kind of reaction. And, um, you know, it was hard to to kind of get the trust there. And um, ironically, it was only on the second time they booked that we we kind of realized what was going on. So, So, you know, it's how do you get how do you get that trust? How do you build that into a platform, you know, uh, which is dealing in the sharing economy? Yeah, it's a a really good point, because I think um, you know, sharing per se in and of itself is obviously not a sort of new phenomenon and actually probably, you know, up until maybe the sort of the turn of the industrial age, you know, sharing was maybe, you know, the default, um, you know, mode of, um, of, of transacting with peers and family um, in a community. But I think we've lost some of that and then it's kind of, we're seeing a resurgence of it um, thanks, thanks to the internet and the digital revolution. But, a prerequisite for sharing or a sharing economy where um you know you're transacting or developing um a relationship and um you know being provided with a service by a peer rather than an established brand or business uh somehow engendering that trust is really critical uh and i think the things that have kind of been a real uh, catalyst for uh, engendering trust have been sort of really uh, social media so the way people pump their own sort of uh, personal biographies uh, out onto you know the likes of Facebook and Twitter has actually really facilitated um, the sharing economy because you know on our platform like lots of other platforms um, when you sign up you also have the opportunity to not only create an, a, an account using your email but you have something called social login where you can effectively um, sign up courtesy of your of your Facebook um, account um, and then that pulls through information to create um, a profile which is enriched with personal data and all of that serves to sort of drive trust and that's um, I think if you, you know, if you look at the likes of you know, Airbnb uber um, Cast rabbit, the sort of you know the the poster boys for the sharing economy. That uh, that sense of, of, of personal identity is really really critical to to ensure that when you're um, buying a service that hitherto you might have bought from a brand or business or a corporation, but you're buying now from a peer. Um, that peer still has a sort of plausible professional listing with personal data that um, that drives the trust value. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, this this whole personal data is a big, big topic at the moment, of course, isn't it, uh, as well. Um, but, you know, that the the sort of there's always um, as we progress with technology and kind of we're stumbling across this a little bit in this series in different ways. Um, it brings additional challenges, let's say, 
in how we deal with that. And sharing of personal data has an upside and it has a potential downside also. But I think, you know, to keep it on the, the upside for this, convers- this part of the conversation right now, if you, uh, if, if what I understand you're doing is effectively helping to validate the identities uh, that there, there are real people as landlords and real people as tenants, and I, and I guess it extends into the uh, the uh, keyholder type of network as well. Then you're building you're building an extra layer of trust rather than just having a faceless ad on Gumtree, uh, for example, which can have all sorts of risks associated with it. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And I think and and as a sort of additional um, safety blanket uh, in in that regard. We've also um, started it's in the product, but it's, it's yet really uh, sort of coming into into its sort of own. Uh, we've put in ratings and reviews, so all of the different audiences um, have on home rent services have the ability to to leave a rating or a review, and um, it's kind of an in, an interesting one for us because you know at, looking at it primarily as landlords, um, we certainly didn't want you know we or we don't want the site to become uh, you know a forum for um, Sort of peeve tenants um, taking a pot at their landlord or aggrieved landlords uh, having taking a swipe at their tenants. So trying to putting a, a ratings and review model onto you know the, the sort of the private lettings um, process is it, it, an interesting one. I think <laughs> other people maybe had looked at it and thought actually they're not natural bedfellows and, and that model won't work. But we're you know we're trying to pioneer it and persevere with it, and we've put in certain guardrails so um, only. When we know from our platform that uh, you know a a tenant and landlord have transacted via the site, created a you know a tenancy and um, uh, a lease agreement, we it's kind of we we're uh, looking to cultivate reviews by soliciting. So hopefully, be the honeymoon period. We're uh, inviting both parties to review uh, with a sort of bias to this is a sort of a move-in uh, review. And then a month out from the, the the point in time where we can see that the term of the tenancy is going to end, we're um, inviting again both parties to uh, mutually review each other but via a context which again makes it clear that this is sort of towards the end of the tenancy. And so we slightly structure and tweak the type of questions and the rating criteria that the um, parties. And then we wrap all of this up on the tenant side into a sort of quantitative tenant score. So we're hoping, um, and lots of other people in the space are trying to crack a similar problem. We're trying to, um, you know, create a sort of passport, a a rental profile for, as people rent longer and longer, um, you know, sort of into their 30s, 40s, we're we're trying to create a, a sort of public profile or passport that will be based on a qualitative record of previous landlords um, sort of testimonials as to the good character or otherwise of the tenant. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I can see that's a massive challenge, by the way, um, but fair play for, for taking on that challenge because I do think there are potential, you know, for it to go a little bit awry. Um, you know, and there are different points in time. Things can start well and end badly or vice versa. Uh, so there are opportunities, perhaps, for um, views to change or differences of opinion to arise. You know, I just saw the other day someone saying, I've just moved a wardrobe in a bedroom and there's all this mould behind it. Their landlord is terrible, it's damp, and they're not fixing it. And actually, everyone's piling in and going, yeah. it, looks like, it looks like a lifestyle problem. It's in a bedroom. It's not on the ground floor. Um, is probably not being properly aired and there's just condensation from uh, are they drying, you know, perhaps um, – 
clothes on the radiator. You know, there's a different perspective there. And I'm not saying who was right and who was wrong. I'm just saying that that could, you know, obviously give rise to uh, maybe a misleading point of view on a, on a, on a rating score. So uh, good luck. No, absolutely. I hear you on that. And as a landlord with a semi-basement flat at the second. Yeah. It's exactly the same issues. But again, I think, you know, in a, in a sort of specific rental scenario like that, um, sometimes the, you know, the direct relation between uh, landlord, private landlord and tenant is, you know, is, is best served for both parties to get them over um, potential, you know, bear traps and, and pitfalls like that. Because it's really only the landlord that's going to be able to advise um, the tenant on the nuances of living in that specific property and, and how to sort of mitigate uh, the condensation, how to ventilate the, the property properly. Yes, that's right. I mean, so it is a relationship. And so I guess if you have a direct relationship, maybe you have more opportunity of, uh, of having that kind of communication flow. Uh, it's not just, you know, here's a manual for the property, get, go, you know, get on with it. Um, you know, things will arise and emerge over time. There'll be repairs and maintenance of the issues that pop up. So I think what I'm actually saying is to have this uh, facility, this platform, which enables that more direct communication, is going to enable that conversation perhaps to take place um, in a nice way. And, of course, if you then start to have reviews or ratings, um, you know, you talk about uh, like a renter's history or passport. Uh, I think that's a really good idea. Um, it, it can benefit both parties. Uh, can also work against uh, either or one party as well, but that's usually down to um, you know issues that have arisen probably of our, of our respective home making. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. I think um, maybe drifting a little bit into the sort of um, topic of sharing economy a bit. I was surprised. I was doing a bit of research as well, doing a little bit of my own homework, and one of the things I looked at was a study. It was actually in the in the United States, and when I you know I don't know if you saw anything similar to this. I think it was Price Waterhouse Coopers who did a study in the States about the sharing economy. And one thing that really surprised me was that they um, only more than half of the people that they interviewed or surveyed had not really heard about the sharing economy or were that familiar with, you know, players within it. I think it was 44% had, had done, 56 hadn't. And I personally found that quite shocking. But, you know, I'm more advanced, I suppose. I use Airbnb and Uber and other sorts of services. Um, but over half of the population hadn't heard about it. Do you think, do you think that's uh, – well, first of all, are you surprised to hear that? And second of all, what, what's going to happen? Is it going to change? I think um, – it's interesting, isn't it? I think um, – I, I would imagine that um, – that, you know, at, at one level, you know, may, maybe it's just, um, you know, a, another um, uh, sort of uh, definition of uh, the, you know, the, the current economy in which we find ourselves. It's slightly sort of eclipsed by the internet in that, you know, pe people probably are using these services um, and probably are utilizing, um, you know, the, the start, typically the startups that sort of sit behind them. But maybe not giving them the credit um, because mm -hmm. they're just assuming they're just sort of seeing it as something that's internet mediated. Because I think, you know, at, at one level, you know, the sharing economy as we know it, and, and in terms of uh, the phenomenon that we're talking about, couldn't have come into existence without uh, sort of first the web and then sort of secondly mobile web, which has really been a huge sort of catalyst for um, you know making these marketplaces really immediate and sort of liquid. But 
Um, they, so they may be using them, but not 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 just not being particularly conscious of the fact that they're using them. I mean, anyone that's used an Uber has effectively, you know, become a sort of consumer in in the sharing economy. But you know, but it, but it could be that they just they just see it as a the you know the new form of taxi um, that's sort of uh, yeah. that's making the you know the, the black cab uh, either endangered or obsolete. Um, yeah. But I think yeah, it's, it's interesting. So there was that as like an awareness thing, but I hear you that you know it could be a case of not attributing you know uh, that kind of technology to to uh, to it. And by the way, I know lots of people who you know just don't want to use Ubers and things. So, um, but it, it will probably change over time. But there's definitely a demographic factor here. Probably younger people are more likely to use mobile and, and internet-based services. Uh, let's say not exclusively, but there's a concentration. Um, one thing you said earlier, Will, was that we talked about the kind of this gig economy, and I touched on the whole, um, you know, Taylor Report thing, and um, the it, it sort of stimulated me to think about um, regulation a little bit in this sector, and it, it'd be fair to say that the regulators are playing a little bit of catch up with the technology providers and service providers who are using the technology. Do you what do you see in terms of a landscape ahead? You know, you've you've seen. Uh, in the news, Uber being classed as a taxi service by certainly one court, and uh, you've got Airbnb being caught up in um, short-term rental regulations in major cities such as London. Um, you know, how do you see that unfolding, and, and do you see it as a threat to, what, say, your business model or, or people like you, or do you see it as a, maybe an opportunity? I think we, on, on balance, we see it more more than an opportunity. Although definitely, I take the point that the um, you know sort of the, the new players in the sort of sharing or gig economy are are ahead of the sort of regulatory curve, and there's a definite amount of, of, of sort of catch up being played. And, and interestingly, actually, if you look at say take Airbnb for an example, uh, is from, from my understanding with the the rule that came in about entire houses within London, it's Airbnb that. To police that. So if you're a host um, and, you, and you previously, I think it was it 2016 or 2015, if you previously were allowed to let that property or a part of that property out over the course of a year, you're now limited uh, to, to sort of 90 days um, for short-term lets. Um, but it's but it's Airbnb that are having to sort of police that uh, algorithmically through the site and put flags and blocks on uh, any attempt to sort of share beyond that um, allotted time span. So um, yeah, it's interesting in that you know they're definitely sort of blazing a trail in the head of um, government and local government in terms of regulating. Um, in terms of uh, the gig economy, I think with the, with the, the home view piece, we're quite um, as we would be keen to stress that in our onboarding and sign up process, that um, you know by no means. Are you uh, working on behalf of, of home rent? So we are kind of the facilitator. Um, so you're working kind of, uh, if you're working as a, as a home viewer for a home renter, you're working um, uh, at the direction of a, of a private landlord, um, but as a um, self-employed contractor. And actually we kind of stipulate that we like to see a piece of, um, uh, of sort of valid insurance in that space um, in terms of uh, professional indemnity insurance to, to prove to us that you, you know, have the wherewithal to work as a private 
self-employed contractor. Uh, and I think that, that that's obviously you know, a very hot issue in terms of um, you know, some of the, you know, the ongoing debates around del- Deliveroo and Uber in terms of uh, uh, you know, are these people um, genuine employees or look-alike employees or self-employed? No, I agree with you. I, you know, I won't go too far into it, but I think you know it, it is this case that there's a kind of waves, isn't it? There's the technology rolling out, and then there's legislation catching up. Uh, and I think the interesting point you added, you added in there is that uh, even when you know things are legislated for, that it's the service providers, the Ubers, the the home renters, who are perhaps being the ones who have to put in the the policing uh, to control it or control that re- regulation and legislation. So it's a bit of a burden to your business, but I guess in the long run, it could also be a barrier to entry. So um, if you're, you know, early to market, then uh, hopefully you, you'll catch some of the um, the first wave there and, and be well positioned when uh, things get, you know, the legislators catch up. Let's say. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, it's, it's definitely in that sort of convergence between, um, you know, Airbnb and the PRS, um, sort of short term. Holiday lets in the PRS. You're, you're seeing now um, some of those um, sort of quite well invested tech startups who are um, you know, who are servicing Airbnb, who are sort of um, you know, managed services for hosts on Airbnb, uh, advertising directly to landlords and calling out explicitly, uh, you know, landlords in in the sort of the ad copy of their posters across London and I think probably nationwide, trying to tempt landlords from the PRS. Uh, he might be typically you know, doing a six, 12, 18 month standard AST let to to consider either trying to um, you know monetize the void period by by uh, going out onto Airbnb in the short term, or act, or actually sort of desert the PRS wholesale and defect to um, you know the likes of Airbnb. Yes, and, and, and that kind of takes me on a little bit to one thing I was going to uh, maybe ask is we, where do you see it going? Because where is the end? Where, which are the parts of the property sector do you think are ripe for sharing? Uh, you've already you've already picked up on one, which is oh, this keyholder thing. Um, you know, service providers. Um, where do you see that? Where do you see it going? Where do you see the opportunity? Uh, well, well, I think I think it's interesting because I think when when I when I try and weigh up against the sort of definition we talked about earlier, whether the property rental side of home rent is is sort of pseudo sharing economy or, or genuine sharing economy. I'm sort of slightly torn because clearly there's an asset um, which is you know the landlord's um, rent, rental portfolio, um, but I kind of question you know th- does it fully adhere to the definition in terms of is it is it otherwise underutilized? Because I think a lot of these properties, unlike you know Airbnb, where it's you know it's, it, it it would otherwise be uh, an, an, an unoccupied room with home renter, these properties, you know, where we sort of set out our stall in the PRS is primarily properties that have been designated and, and sort of, you know, specifically bought to to be, um, you know, as buy to lets to be, um, you know, to be rented out long longer term. Um, so I'm not I'm not 100% sure in my mind whether we you know, fully sort of um, conform to the criteria that we, we talked about earlier, but I but I do envisage. That there'll be um, over time, sort of even more and more convergence between uh, the online lettings providers of online lettings to the sort of the PRS and the likes of Airbnb. So you could imagine a sort of Uber platform, sort of a you know a mega platform in five or ten years' time, where as a landlord you might be able to sort of shop for um, tenants or customers um, to, to rent a property, 
Um, and actually, that platform might be all-encompassing, and it might it might enable you to find you know tourists who are effectively coming for a short-term let, but also have the wherewithal, the logistics at the back end to equally market the property to um, somebody who might want to to let it for twelve months. So I kind of see I can envisage a space for you know a sort of a behemoth of a, of a platform that was almost all things to all types of, of homeowners and home renters. Yeah, I kind of see there's blurred lines, basically. And I think, you know, it's still emerging and it's still evolving and new opportunities will emerge uh, over time as well. So I agree with you that that's that's what's going to happen. And I think um, in the property space, you know, I think if you have a platform where various services as well as assets can be in inverted commas shared, um, you know, you're just enabling property technology to, you know, um, service that market. And from both both consumer and provider's point of view. So I've got a bit of drilling that started up in this building. So I'm going to talk less and go on mute more uh, as we wrap up, um, actually, Will. So um, maybe uh, in a queue for that, um, is there anywhere that uh, people should go to look up more about what you do, uh, your business does? And is there anything in particular that you kind of wanted to highlight in that respect? I'll um, let you talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Richard. So I think um, right now, um, for you know, for the for the um, for your audience, um, you know, there's, there's something that is 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 hopefully of uh, of interest, which is we're running a free offer uh, for designated, you know, targeted at landlords. So if, if anyone was to look at uh, www.homerenter.co.uk forward slash landlords. That's our sort of specific landing page catering to private landlords. And on that uh, landing page at the moment, currently we have this um, sort of time-sensitive free offer uh, across the spring, which, uh, you know, if a landlord brings us a property, loads the property, creates a listing on, on home renter, they are free for six months, no strings attached. And within that package, uh, they have uh, sort of built into that trial offer uh, not only the six months exposure to our community of tenants and key holders on home renter, but uh, up to 30 days across the sort of the big established property portals such as Rightmove, um, Zupa and Prime Location, plus a number of a sort of a raft of Trinity Mirror uh, property classified sites um, for exposure in terms of uh, if they're in tenant fine mode, they've got those 30 days which they can use uh, at a time of their choosing across the six months um, to promote on uh, on the major portals. Um, and I think there's also a free home rented to let board and um, and free sort of tenant um, uh, you know, inquiry management, et cetera, and, and free online lease. So that's, that's kind of running currently. Um, and um, it's probably, um, you know, one of the, one of the best deals out there would have thought. And the, the rationale why we're offering such value at the moment is, purely because as a new entrant, we're keen to build as much inventory uh, and win as many new customers as possible and get them onto the site. Sounds like a good time to uh, to be talking to you, Will. So uh, I think anyone who's maybe indeed, looking indeed. to yeah, trial that service to give it a go. I mean, what I personally, what I'm interested in is um, when I've spoken to previous online agents, um, it, it's been very much, you know, landlord meets tenant type of uh, landscape. And I think the extra dimension of your home viewers, uh, key holders, sorry, um, you know, allows maybe people who are a little bit more remote to to engage with a service such as such as yours. So um, recognizing that you know you could be you could live in London and have a property in Manchester, but you could still be you could still self manage. So um, I think this thing is really good, and um, I'll put the link to that in the show notes for people to follow 
um, as well. But um, it's been really interesting actually, to get your your perspective uh, on the sharing economy, and just actually, it's good to get these sort of blurred lines, you know, out in, into the open because it isn't that straightforward. Um, but I also want to say I wish you all the best with, with Home Renter and what you're doing there and um, anything that's going to help make life easier for tenants and landlords is, is a good thing. So thanks for your contributions today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. really enjoyed it. Well, apologies if some of the background sounds affected some of the uh, experience of today's discussion for you. But hopefully you agree with me that the content from founders of these prop tech startups, such as Will Handley from Home Renter, is, uh, is both fascinating and insightful enough to compensate for that. I just wanted to get our discussion shared with you today, not least of which because Will has a limited time promotion available for new signups. So it only seems fair to give you the opportunity to give that a go whilst the opera is still open. I'm trialling the home renter service myself, in fact, to, to see uh, how it works for me, but why don't you just see if it works for you as well. And you can find details of that offer over at the home renter website, which is uh, www.homerenter.co.uk slash landlords. But next time, we'll pick up the theme of the sharing economy more broadly as I share with you some of the headlines that I've discovered or observed rather in this space and perhaps at the same time also help to further raise awareness of this growing digital sector of the economy. So do join me next time for that. But in the meantime, the show notes as always can be found over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. Or if you want to talk about anything from today's show, receive an intro into one of my guests, or just talk about property investing more generally, you can email me personally at podcast at thepropertyvoice.net. I'd be very happy to hear from you. But once again, all I want to say for now is thank you very much for listening again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, is ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.